future belongs to the past, not to the large. But if you're not relevant to young people, you're not going to have a business tomorrow. Hello, and thanks for joining us on Banking Remix, the new podcast from Veritran. I'm your host, Katie Yano-Small, founder and editor of Upana. On this podcast, we talk to leaders in digital finance about how traditional banking is being remixed, how it's being spun together with new technologies, concepts, and data, with the aim of creating better customer experiences and more intuitive, integrated services. I'm delighted to welcome on the show today, Juan Miguel Guerra. He's the head of the Rapi Banorte Alliance. That's a joint venture between one of Mexico's biggest banks, Banorte, and one of the world's biggest super apps, Rapi. Before that, Juan was head of innovation at City Banamex, and before that, he ran a lending startup in London. Juan is also a proud new father, and like so many of us, working from home. So if you listen carefully, you might be lucky enough to hear some of that in the background. Juan, it's a pleasure to have you here today to discuss what makes banking innovation succeed. Thanks for inviting me, Kim. Pleased to be here. To kick off, tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the moment. Right. So I'm building up Rapi Pay in Mexico. Uh, we're a partnership between Banorte and Rapi. And we have recently launched a credit card that is taking the country by storm. It's called Rapi Card. And it's super awesome. I would encourage anyone with a credit history in Mexico to apply for it. It really brings together the best of both worlds because it has uh, it, it charges no annual fee. Uh, it has a ton of cashback and benefits. It has service 24-7 via chat. So people are really excited about it. We're growing like mad. Uh, it's a little hard to keep up with the rate of growth, but that's a really happy problem that we're facing. So... We're living the, the fintech dream, really. The fintech dream. That's um. That's that's really cool. Um, what's the what's the big picture idea for um? What's the long term plan here with this with this alliance with this joint venture? <laughs> Excellent question. Um, well, uh, we have millions of users within the Rapi ecosystem, whom we would love to bring on board as users of Rapi Card and Rapi Pay. Once we've done that, uh, we would love to then start cross-selling other products. Uh, we recently off, uh, began offering uh, insurance. The entire experience end-to-end is um, is all online. So, so it really it makes a huge difference, right? Especially in a post-pandemic environment, the fact that you don't have to go anywhere, send any papers anywhere, makes a big difference to the user experience. And once we have accomplished that, we would love to go and reach every corner of the country and every corner of the continent. Uh, the fact that we have all these synergies between a traditional bank and a technology company means that we can serve customers much more cheaply than others can. And that means that many customers are attractive to us that wouldn't be attractive to other players. So financial inclusion is no longer a uh, nice thing to do. It's a business opportunity for us and we're very proud to have positioned ourselves in that spot. That's really interesting. The, um, the, the, the distribution advantage that you have there is, uh, is, is massive, right? Versus, versus traditional financial institutions. Yes, the way, I, the way I simplify this is that 
traditional banks have a revenue advantage. They have millions of customers and they have uh, a bunch of different products that they can cross sell products and services, but they have a cost disadvantage. They have legacy infrastructure and thinking, which makes it very, very expensive to service their customers versus a fintech. A fintech typically has a very low cost base, but it has the opposite problem. It usually has one or two products and not very many customers. Combining these two is super powerful and it's something I've spent the last four years, five years of my life doing. Um, you can combine bank distribution with fintech innovation for the benefit of consumers. And, but in the case of Rappi, there's an additional layer uh, because with Rappi Pay, we have exactly those advantages. We have millions of customers already in the ecosystem and we have the cost advantages of the fintech, but we also have a lot of data about these users and what their preferences are and where they might live, which makes us able to make more relevant offers at the right time to the right person. But also we have the context of commerce. And I think increasingly finance will just follow commerce. Uh, I think maybe not in the next decade, but after that, it will be uncommon for financial services to be a consumer offering, be it at a branch or a map, they will become embedded in commerce. So as you buy, you seamlessly are offered the ability to finance your purchase. Or as you carry out different activities, commercial activities throughout your day, financial services will become available to you right there and then without the need to exit your perhaps shopping cart to go and get a loan in a fintech app and then return to your shopping cart but have it all part of the same environment something that's much more integrated and much more much more cohesive as an experience for the for the end user yeah so i i don't think anyone really wakes up thinking oh how can i make my payments a little bit more efficiently than yesterday but you do wake up thinking oh i need to get that i don't know um new pair of shoes uh, but i haven't got my i haven't been paid yet how am i going to pay for this hmm, maybe i can get a credit card and then you know so it the, the credit card follows it facilitates your life it follows commerce it follows some some progress you want to achieve in your life through the purchase of something in the case of a, of a credit card i i just had a daughter for example and i don't wake up thinking hmm insurance policies, but, uh, but I do wake up thinking, hmm, what if I'm not there tomorrow? Who's going to take care of her? How can I make sure that, you know, I can look after her even when I'm not here? And, and that's really what I would buy. I wouldn't buy an insurance policy. I would buy the ability to take care of my daughter uh, when I'm no longer here. Mm. Yeah, it's, a, it's, um, it, it, it's perhaps a switch for a lot of uh, financial institutions to to move into that new kind of way of thinking. Mm. For sure. Yeah, financial institutions have traditionally been uh, product pushers where, you know, the consumer takes what they make and they're typically very concentrated in most countries. It's not a very competitive environment. And so there isn't a lot of choice. And And a lot of that is changing now because well, financial institutions themselves have become much more open, much more collaborative to stay ahead. Uh, in the case of Banorte, I think it's visionary that they're 
<laughs> in the words of their CEO, they want to be present in every party, right? So they have partnered with Rappi, and that's the initiative that I'm leading. But they're also launching their own digital bank while they're carrying out their own digital transformation. And I think that comes from the realization that we need to be wherever the consumer wants us to be, if you want the consumer's business. It's been a it's been an insane um, little over you know year 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 and a half with the with the pandemic and all the all the changes um, that, that that's wrought on our digital lives and and the way that we work and we um, and we buy things and we manage our money. What what do you think? What's the one thing that surprised you most um, about digital finance in the past in the past year? Um. I actually expected banks in Mexico to move faster and, and roll out uh, their remote account opening journeys much faster than they have. Um, I, I think in hindsight, it was pretty obvious, but also the level of fraud online shot up uh, tremendously, uh, not just in financial services, but across the board, just as e-commerce shot up tremendously. Um, and I've been surprised by how long this has taken. I don't think anyone expected the pandemic lockdown to last so long, but I think it has exceeded everyone's expectations and we're still standing. So I'm also very, um, I've been impressed by our resilience and our ability to adapt to these new circumstances. And, and because it's been so long, this phrase, the new normal starts really, um, to become much more meaningful. And I think the new normal for financial services is now digital. And that would have not happened had it not been for, for the pandemic. I think it wouldn't have happened as quickly as it has. And I, I don't think this is specific to financial services, just e-commerce generally has boomed, right? So the consumption of financial services through electronic means has boomed accordingly as well. So the, the new normal is, is digital. It's, um, it's something that was kind of in the works already, but, but now it's, it's uh, a, a, digital, a digital way of thinking and a digital way of operating is, is much more ingrained in, in daily life. Um, do you, but at the same time, interesting that you say that you think that the, the Mexican banks were a little slow to, to adopt um, some, of the, you know, some of the digital onboarding. Digital onboarding, did you say, or digital, digital channels more generally? Yeah, correct. Mm. Account opening, yeah. Uh, onboarding specifically, because there are plenty of things you can do online these days, but opening an account is still difficult uh, unless your bank happens to have a digital onboarding journey that works for you. What do you think the big, um, the big roadblock is there for, for traditional financial institutions to, to make that work, to make that digital onboarding work, make that um, kind of kick off that digital journey, as it were, with their, with their clients? It, it boils down to speed, right? The lack of speed. And very often, you know, it can be blamed on ah, the regulation or controls or whatever. But, but it's really not about that. It's about bureaucracy. It's about entropy. It's about mindsets. It's about the difficulties, and I have a lot of sympathy for them because it's not easy to, to deal with the legacy systems. Uh, but, but a lot of it is just organizational change. The realization 
that a turnaround is required. And I think many, many of them, you know, will go bust gradually and then suddenly, uh, just like Blockbuster did, because the transformation that is required needs to happen now, and it's extremely painful, and it's very expensive, and there might not be shareholder support for it, because, you know, we had a good, a bad couple of quarters, you know, let's not get too carried away, uh, no need to change too many things. And when the need to change too many things becomes evident, then it's already too late. Now, this is kind of a, a, a cliche answer. Um, and I think, you know, I think the, one of the approaches is the correct one, which is, you know, have, have a few irons in the fire, place, place good bets, and have the humility to recognize that the boss here is the customer. I know this is, this is of course the case in many industries, but in financial services, this is a, a change of mindset. Uh, banks tend to think of the customer as, as their captive audience, and it's really no longer the case, and it won't be. And it may be that the, the many traditional players feel secure in their current customer base, but if they don't appeal to the younger generations, their customer bases will dry up over time. So um, you may not have an evident problem in your PL today, but if you're not relevant to young people, you're not going to have a business tomorrow. How do you think open banking is, uh, is, is affecting that or changing that? Do you think that um, uh, in Mexico particularly that... Well, the, the whole, yeah. The whole purpose behind open banking is to accelerate this phenomenon, right? To, to make it easy for customers to choose whatever's best for them, irrespective of what bank has the most branches. The, the UK competition authorities realized that bank branches were inhibiting uh, competition. And so at least in the internet, um, if with open banking, uh, Customers can compare like for like and choose whatever's most, uh, you know, works best for them, irrespective of who's the most established player. So I think it, it really levels the playing field much to the benefit of consumers and much to the benefit of new players like ourselves. And I think it's going to be very hard to remain a large traditional player that wants to be all things for everyone at the same time. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's going to be very hard to compete against specialized players who focus, you know, they're laser focused on being excellent at one thing or two or maybe three. And, and that will be a very compelling value proposition for consumers. Now, this only becomes relevant to the extent that consumers are comparing and really going for whatever is best for them. This is not something that's commonplace in Mexico. But in the UK, for example, the large majority, maybe over 80% of insurance policies, for example, are bought through price comparison websites. And so people are really shopping around and finding whatever's best for them. And that's going to become one day, I don't know if today or 10 years from now, the norm in financial services. They're a fairly commoditized offering. So that's, that's my prediction. Now, what some players will try and do is create a, a lifestyle proposition around 
they're offering. But I think that's an even harder thing to do than just compete with the core. So I think if, if I were setting up for, for the new world, I would, um, you know, a world of open banking, I would make sure that I have a very lean cost structure and that nothing in my value chain is something that doesn't add value to the customer. So very lean infrastructure, very fast execution, which in financial services is tricky because you need to control risks. You're dealing with money. So very fast and yet responsible and sophisticated execution. And, um, and customer centricity, again, is one of those cliches that you keep hearing, but it's just so easy to be customer centric these days. Why wouldn't you do it? I get messages every single day from customers who love my product and customers who hate, who hate my product. And that informs my thinking about what to do next, right? I'm, I work for them, for my customers. So of course I want to know what it is they value and what it is they don't value so that I can better adapt to their needs. So I think, I think those three things, I mean, no blinding insights, but it's really much easier said than done. Yeah, that's, that's, that's super interesting. So it's, you see a further uh, unbundling of the bank, as it were. I mean, there's talk about rebundling services, right? Um, but you think that more we're going to move to a landscape where consumers pick and choose the financial services that they want from a, from a range of different providers just to suit what's best for them. It could be. It also creates a lot of fatigue to constantly be searching, right? So some players are opting for a curated marketplace, perhaps where they have two or three best-in-class options. That and, and, and those players who aggregate those offerings into you know, curated uh, packages, perhaps, gain the trust of users because users know that they bring them good deals and they don't need to shop amongst, you know, a hundred different things. They can just go to this aggregator and find whatever they need. So a good example of that, I don't know. So for example, here we're doing um, bill payments in partnership with a FinTech. Um, and we just went out and found what was the best way for people to pay their bills. And we incorporated that into our offering don't have to do it all, all ourselves. And just like that, we're, we're doing insurance um, in partnership with uh, Seguros Banorte and Chubb and really picking what's best of breed and providing enough choice that the customers, the various needs can be covered, but not too much choice that it becomes a hassle to find whatever's best. So going to the central theme of this of this podcast is, is remixing banking so if you were to if you were to remix banking if you were to add in or subtract a single element to to a typical financial institution to prepare it for the future what would that single element be ha um, that's a great question if, if, if it has to be a single element speed I think the future belongs to the fast not to the large and I think that the, the strengths of traditional financial institutions will begin to erode in the next years. And the strengths of technology companies will overtake the strengths of, uh, they, they, they will become even more valuable over time. And they will overtake the strengths of traditional players. 
up until recently, I guess financial institutions felt secure in the knowledge that, hey, we have a banking license that gives us essentially free money to lend out to people. Hey, we have all this regulation, which is really hard to comply with. Hey, we have this and that um, competitive barrier, if you want to see it that way. But actually, um, the banking license, well, it's been now proven that small, nimble players can also gain banking license. So that one becomes less of a competitive advantage. Um, regulation, well, if you're a small, nimble player incorporating a bunch of regtech and really smart people uh, to help you comply properly, that's even better. You have even more control than large bloated organizations with huge bureaucracies where people are not excited by their work, just want to get the paycheck and, you know, move on to the next thing. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, that, that's, I mean, it's a scary time to be a, a large traditional player because the turnaround required, uh, is going to take a lot of guts and a lot of effort and you might not succeed even if you try. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a time of disruption. I think the writing's on the wall. We've been talking about this for a decade. And the benefit of being in LATAM is you can see this happening elsewhere in the world and um, try and, and incorporate the lessons learned. But I see a lot of history repeating itself. So we'll see. I'm curious, the, um, I, I mean, I think it's a really good point around speed that you make. And I'm curious to, um, to hear a little if you can share about how that's played out in, in your alliance, right? You've got a, you've got a, uh, a startup which I'm sure is used to operating at the speed of light um, mixed with a traditional bank and are there any learnings that you can share with us there about how to um, make some of those traditional banking processes sure. more, um, more agile? So I, I spent almost three years um, working, uh, maybe more, uh, almost four years working on exactly this problem, how to make banks nimbler and better partners for nimble players. Um, and it's really not rocket science. It's It just starts with the will at the very top. If you don't have that, nothing else will matter. Now, say you have the will at the very top and all the sponsorship to make all the changes required. What are the changes required? First and foremost, people. You need to make sure that whoever's on board is truly passionate about the work, the impact it has on people. And financial services has the beauty that, you know, when you when you do it right, you really make a difference in people's lives. For better or, or worse, right? If you do it wrong, you know, <laughs> you know they don't get their payroll paid or, or you overcharge them for something, it really hurts too. So you've got to have people on board who are really passionate about what they're doing. And three, articulation. You need to articulate winning teams. And it's not just about talent. It's how they work with each other. And in that, for me, I'm a big fan of Scrum. I, I don't think it's a silver bullet for everything, but I do think it goes a long way in solving many of the issues that you face in uncertain environments and uncertain projects. And increasingly, financial services is becoming an environment of uncertainty. So I think applying Scrum properly, not just using the terms liberally, 
but basically doing the same things you were doing before with new words could also go a long way. Super. Um, and uh, hello to your daughter there in the background, which brings us to our, yeah. our final question. <laughs> She's a little hungry. <laughs> how's, how's she going to manage her money when she, uh, when she grows up? How, how are our kids, how's the next generation going to, going to manage their money in your view? That's an awesome question, and I wish I knew the answer. Uh, and if I, if I had any spare money, I would put my money on that. Um, I think, I don't know, I'm just going to make some wild guesses, and maybe I'll make fun of myself in, in a few years when none of this turns out to be true. But I think digital currency, in, in one shape or form, will become the norm. Um, I, I, I have no question there. I think um, a lot of financial literacy will no longer be necessary because we will automate it. So it will be, you know, save as you spend or, you know, you, you save by default and, and you spend as, as an exception to help people make better financial decisions as they go about their daily lives. Um, I think a lot of the really expensive things like, for example, education is, is a huge investment in everyone's life. I think that um, industry will be disrupted significantly and access to quality education will become so much, you know, far easier. And therefore the student loan industry will, will be shaken up. I hope, I hope. Um, because I think we, we can't afford to live in a world where we rely on, you know, we develop only that talent, which has access to capital, which, you know, grants access to the best education. We, we really can't afford not to have everyone rowing on this boat to the best of their ability. And I think technology is making it easier for people to access the education, to develop their potential to the fullest. So I'm excited to see that, and I would really love my, my daughter to benefit from that in the future. Um, there's going to be a lot more peer-to-peer -peer interaction uh, with intermediaries playing less of a role and perhaps disappearing altogether. So clearing houses, notaries, and a bunch of these um, entities that provide trust will no longer be necessary. Um, there's going to be financial services specifically designed for children, which is going to be fun. I mean, there already are, but they're going to get so much more interesting. Uh, and I think a lot of them are going to be embedded in other experiences, as I, as I was saying. Um, uh, perhaps more, you know, it, financial services will be consumed perhaps more through gaming experiences or purchase experiences than dedicated financial services apps or websites or, or whatever the equivalent might be in the future. And perhaps also uh, wearables will start, will start to take a, a more predominant role in the way we use financial services. That's a super interesting list of, um, of, of changes coming up, coming down the pipe in, uh, in financial services one, actually. That's, um, well, they or, say the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. <laughs> and I think you can see glimpses of this happening all around. It's really interesting. Um, 
Thank you, Juan, so much for joining us on Banking Remix by Veritran. It's been a it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Always a pleasure. Take care, guys. You too. Thanks, Juan. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Banking Remix by Veritran. Be sure to subscribe to the series in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud so that you'll be the first to hear the next interview. And until then, keep up with the latest in digital finance on VNext, that's Veritrans blog, where the team discusses news and trends in banking transformation. Don't miss it. Head over to veritran.com slash blog. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon with more Banking Remix Insights.